The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. We'll use the uh, poem tonight for a little springboard into some philosophy. And the first thing that the, that the poem, the two poems, No Little Enemy and then No Little Friend, emphasizes really the, the power of thought the power of our thoughts. And in one of his writings, Sri Chamoy says that with uh, that a single thought can either take you to heaven or take you to hell. And so oftentimes, like when I was raised in Catholicism, I was presented with the idea that heaven was like some other place even if it wasn't necessarily a physical place, it was like a spiritual place, but that was somewhere else. And the same thing with the idea of hell. You know, the imagery of the fire and Satan and the, the, the lost souls. And, but that it was like a realm where your spirit went. But with the deeper, with the deeper spiritual philosophy, the idea is that it's our consciousness and the state of our consciousness that determines our, our experience. So that in this, in this room, in the same room, one person could be sitting in the, in the state of nirvana or in extremely deep meditation and another person could be literally in hell in terms of um, anxiety or stress or, or even like a deeper, darker place. And so that the power of our mind and the power of our thoughts and our emotions is, is really the, the, the huge factor in our experiences in life and in our metaphysical experiences. So someone can sit for hours motionless, but if their mind is going around and around and racing, then there's really no peace. Their body's still, but there's no peace of mind. Whereas at the same time, it's said that if a person just sits for five minutes and has intense concentration, they can go into a very, very deep state of peace that can last hours. So it's not so much the length of time of our spiritual practice or our meditation, but the intensity of it. And if we can really bring ourselves uh, to that state of state of mind and being that's very elevated. So the, so the first thing is the, the power of thought. And then the... the the uplifting poem says, no little friend, there is no little friend. An iota of faith energizes our entire being. And so 
I gave kind of a general example, but more specifically when talking about doubt, <clears throat> basically in the spiritual journey, you can, you can doubt yourself, you can doubt like your own existence or your own ability to, to go deeper. You can doubt your practice or you can doubt God. <clears throat> Those are kind of the three main doubts that you're gonna have. You doubt yourself, you doubt your practice, or you doubt that deeper reality. So you can, you can think of examples of each of them but in one of his writings, Sri Chamoy says the worst is if you doubt yourself. If you doubt yourself, that's going to be the most detrimental. Because if you believe in yourself, you can stop believing in God. But, but you're still going to like, discover the truth by believing in yourself. Because the ultimate rea- reality is in yourself. You're still, you're still going to get to that deepest reality. You can give up on believing in you know, the God your parents taught you you should believe in or that the church taught you. You can doubt that imagery or those ideas or those concepts, you know, the God of judgment. Or, so you can, you can doubt that and disbelieve it. But still, if you believe in yourself, you're going to find deep in yourself that ultimate reality. Because that's the essence of the Indian philosophy is that the self or the soul, which is deep inside us, is interconnected with the deepest reality. So you can doubt um, the existence of God or that energy, but if you keep believing in yourself, you'll get to it. And even if you doubt your spiritual practices, you know, like this meditation technique's not working or why am I doing this, et cetera, et cetera, at least if you still believe in yourself, then you're gonna keep searching. You're gonna keep looking. You're gonna say, oh, this way doesn't work. This doesn't work. I don't believe in God. She doesn't care about me anymore. But let me, let, you know, if you still believe in yourself, you're going to keep seeking and searching. Whereas if you stop believing in yourself, then that's really like the, the whole, the thing that holds it all together is you. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the generator of this whole thing. And so if you stop believing in yourself, then, you know, what's, what's uh, that's probably the worst of them all. And so, when it comes to an iota of faith energizes my entire being, during the week you can, you can explore that, that idea of faith. Really, really believing in yourself. And the, a good way to do that is to notice when you're doubting yourself. You know, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you even uh, speak ill of yourself. You know, I, I, can't, I know I can't do this. I always do the wrong thing. I always make the wrong decision. You know, your own self-talk. So it might be that you actually say these things, in which case it would be good to stop saying them because just hearing it reaffirms it, gives it strength. And then once you stop saying it, then the next thing is to try and observe uh, the patterns in your mind, which are really subtle. And they might, you know, when you go deep inside, you might find, oh, there's my mom's voice or there's my dad's voice or there's that school teacher who told me I was no good or, you know, so these, these tracks get in our head from somewhere. They're not coming from our deepest nature. They're not coming from our soul, these thoughts of doubt. They're coming from 
experiences or self-judgments, other people. But so if you can stop saying them outwardly, then you can see if you can start to catch them inwardly, see them arising. And that's where we get into those meditation techniques we were talking about. So you might not be able to stop it. Like when I was 18 years old and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, or 17, I was getting ready to go off to college and I was leaving, I, I was raised in San Francisco and I knew I wanted to come down and get out of the city. I wanted to be on my own. So I came to San Diego. I knew I was gonna to come to San Diego. And so that summer, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm heading off on my own now. What do I wanna do? So I spent a lot of time hiking and I was just learning to meditate at that time. And so I'd sit quietly and ask myself that and I like, could hear what my mom thought I should do, what, you know, the, uh, a couple of my teachers that I really liked in high school, what they thought I should do. And, you know, all these other, I could hear all these tracks of what I ought to do, but it wasn't like what I wanted to do. So that was the real challenge is finding out what's truest in your heart. And so having that faith in yourself and conversely, like these tracks that are going through our minds, the first thing is just to step back from it. So to realize, oh, you know, there's my, that's what my dad wants me to do. You're not going to be able to stop it necessarily because it's so deep-rooted. But as we did in the meditation technique, the first thing you can do is learn to step back, settle into your breathing, into your own sense of self, and understand these things for what they are, which is just thought impressions. They're not the truth. They're not the ultimate um, guide in your life. They're just thought impressions that you've, that you've taken on, that you've accepted and they've been imprinted into you. So to learn to step back and basically what starts to happen is as you step back and are able to hold that awareness of your deeper self, then that feels so much better than focusing on the thoughts and they really start to subside. When you stop giving them attention, they... they drop away. So trying to, trying to hear, be aware of those things, of those um, self-doubts or insecurities or anything that connects to having a lack of faith in yourself. Doubts, fears, insecurities. So stepping back and then knowing that as you sink more deeply into your truer nature, those things will start to dissipate. So an iota of faith energizes my entire being, energizes. And that's another good point is how do you energize your being? So to start with, how, how do, what are some ways people energize their physical being, their physical body? Exercise. How else do you energize your body? Eat. Good eating, good night's sleep. And so doing things to energize your body, eat well, the idea that the body's a temple, exercise energizes it, and good sleep, honoring sleep. So energizing our body, how, how can you energize your emotions? Mm, that's a good one. Laughter, what was it? Conversation, you're interacting with people, there's exchange of energy. Smiling. What's that? 
Singing, there's a good one. Chanting with Pujari. <laughs> um, so, okay, and energize. Then how can you energize your mind? Reading, reading good spiritual reading. Learning, learning a language, using different parts of your brain. And what about your heart, your spiritual heart? How can you energize your spirit? Love, cultivating love. Sunset, I think connecting with nature helps a lot. Play with children. And what's that? Helping others. Helping others, being of service. And so, was there one other? Oh, sorry. Listening to music. So, so having these things in your life, because it's saying an iota of faith energizes my entire being. And so the outcome, energizing your being. So there's, there's these different dimensions of our being. There's our physical being. There's our emotional being, our spiritual being, our mental being. These are all different parts of ourselves that, in a sense, we have to honor all of them and find ways to energize our lives because it's not just going to happen. Then a small fraction of love elevates my whole existence to heaven. A small fraction of love. And so a really key thing there is the love. Because I'm sure, well, and so, and in, the, in the, this book, The Wisdom of Sri Chinmoy, he breaks it down. Like here he just uses the simple word love. But in, his, in the deeper Indian philosophy, it, the Indian philosophy acknowledges like the different dimensions of our being are in the process of evolution. And in the Indian philosophy, the idea of reincarnation, that we evolve from, quote unquote, lower life forms to higher. And so that within our being and within our emotions, there's, you could say, three dimensions of love. There's our, our love that's pretty rooted in our animal consciousness, which you could say is like the love rooted in pleasure or attachment, which of course has a place. You know, you have to, if you have offspring or children, you have to be attached to them so they survive and live and so... Uh, we have that energy within us. So love that's based on attachment. Then, um, let's say animal love, human love is often rooted in like give and take, you know, expectations, um, compromise. What's that? Oh, huh. Um, all the things if you think of like a relationship, you know, if you're in a relationship and goes through ups and downs and that kind of love that, that kind of waxes and wanes or it's based on expectation or things like that, the, the, the give and take of it. And then the deepest love or the divine love is the idea of unconditional love. And so the ultimate example which maybe you can feel or maybe you can't, is the love of the universe for you. 
the universe that ultimately created you, sustains you, and then reabsorbs you. And that love's pretty hard to feel, even though we're like immersed in it, like, a, like fish in water, but the fish don't necessarily know they're in water. That's just like reality. And so uh, for us too, we don't, we don't really perceive the reality that we're inside of. But there's probably other examples of pretty unconditional love that you have had in your life. Grandparents or... Maybe you've had unconditional love when you've been of service to someone or in a relationship that's unconditional. And so we, we have different like dimensions of love. And oftentimes, you know, the love that's based on attachment or just on pleasure or on possession or expectation isn't the kind of love that's going to get you to an experience of heaven. It's going to get you to the experience of jealousy and anger and frustration and, you know, hearing two people who are, quote, in love, having an all-out yelling, screaming argument is, like, pretty brutal. And so that's not, when he says a small fraction of love... Ultimately, what you want to aspire to in your, in your journey is to try and find that unconditional dimension of yourself. So just like, I love the expression that, um, you know, the sun, the sun shines on the sinner and the saint equally, or the rain falls on, you know, um, both sides of the battlefield. It's, un, it's that unconditional energy, that unconditional love. And so... We're immersed in that, and the more that you can connect into that and, and radiate that, then you're going to be moving your whole existence into that heaven energy. And then the last stanza, an insignificant portion of surrender makes me one, inseparably one, with infinity. And that, that idea of surrender is also spiritual, it's spiritual surrender. So it's not like the surrender one, where one team, one army wins and the other loses and you surrender, you give in, you're defeated, you're dominated. Not that kind of surrender. But as I said in the meditation, the surrender where your individual ego merges with the infinite energy. Because we're convinced that we know what is going to make us happy in life. We have our goals, we have our desires, we have, you know, if I get this thing or if I do this. Or, but we may or may not be right. And really nice thing is to talk to people who are older, who've gone through the life experience and they're in their final, like, couple years. They might be, like, really honest with you about life. And a lot of it is learning, like learning, wow, I wasn't right. I I misjudged things. And that's the idea of of surrender is in your meditation practice and in your life to try to align with that ultimate wisdom. And so, because it's always around us, that, that um, that infinite intelligence. And so seeing if there's things you can do that are going to align you with that. 
And all those things that we talked about that energize us, all of those things help that. Because when we energize ourselves, we're obviously like pulling, we're opening ourselves and pulling in energy and it's bringing brightness to us. And that practice is in a sense the act of surrender because you've found what energizes you, what uplifts you, and you're doing it. So, so that's the process. So that's the other thing, the idea of spiritual surrender. It's not, it's not a, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just surrendering to whatever. Surrender is a really powerful, dynamic, energizing action. It's, it's letting go, but in that process, you're, you're, you're letting go into an incredible energy, which takes a lot of courage and confidence and all those, all those great experiences. <clears throat> okay, well, I'm glad. Oh, yeah. Mm, right. Well, ultimately, in the deepest states of meditation, there will be no thought. So, so you will have, um, you'll have risen above the realm of thought in the deepest states of meditation. Just like, um, just like there's a ton of stuff going on, on in our digestive system right now. All kinds of stuff. And like for a lower life form, that might be their whole reality. Like, I have to eat, I have to eat. All they would think, all their whole existence would be in their digestive system. But us as human beings, we're in like another level of consciousness where our digestive system's going on and we deal with it occasionally, but like we're in a world of thought, we're projecting, we're thinking of ourselves, our plans, our thoughts. And so then the idea is, but as human beings, we think that's like the highest level. But there's a, there's a whole other levels of consciousness where looking down from those levels, it's, a, it's akin to like us dealing with our digestive system. It's a reality, it's there, but it has nothing to do with our perception of the ultimate reality. And so ultimately, as you go higher and higher, deeper and deeper in meditation, you're going to rise up above the whole realm of thought. You like step out of it. So Sri Chamoy says that... Um, Again, in the Wisdom of Sri Chamoy book, he says that in some, in some deeper, in the, like the, let's say not the deepest states of meditation, but when you're in some lower, deep meditations, you see all these thoughts, but, but they're like nothing. They're just like little things down there. They have no power. And then ultimately you get to a realm beyond thought. That's like nirvana. There's no thought. So, yeah, that, those are realities. But, like, when we're here immersed in it, that's where you have to, you have to deal with them. And some are going to be inherently really positive. 
and uplifting, just like memories. Two memories can rise up from your subconscious. One is a beautiful memory you have of, you know, a day with your dad and doing something really fun and it was loving. And another is going to be some horrible event that happened. And you, you, um, you're not really judging them. That's just the reality of them. And then as a seeker, like with us beginning our meditation journey, you're going to have to decide where your concentration is going to go. And so it's kind of like you're in the thick of the battle and you got to say, hey, I, I, I don't want to focus on this right now. I'm going to focus on this and energize myself and try and lift up a little bit and then I can deal with that. And so it's kind of like finding your way out of this whole world of thought that we're immersed in. But once you start to get out of it, or even if you get out of it once, so in, again, in some of Sri Chimo's writings, he say, if you just open your spiritual heart once in your life, your life will never be the same. Because you've seen something that you never knew was there. And that's, in one sense, that's what we're going for in the meditation, is you're just trying to get out of the quagmire, get your head up above the quagmire, take one deep breath in that realm, and we'll, you'll sink back down here inevitably, but you, you're never the same after you've seen um, a deeper reality. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.